0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. april in Pike. okay let's talk about what we're drinking i actually had two so um double i am drinking one of them was water um so i am drinking uh lemonade i still got a little bit left with gin in it um jen what are you drinking my cats are fighting with a staircase in the background i think staircase is winning
1: i have english
0: (laughs) english breakfast tea black tea Ooh, look at that! It's very fancy. It's cream in
1: it and everything. Does it yeah, have? it does. Tea? It does. No, it's tea. Uh, it's cream and sugar. Because I'm a savage.
0: I like cream and sugar. I like that you held up this beautifully wrapped tea kettle, and you're like, "I'm a savage." Yeah. <laughs> I can't drink liquor. I need a vice. Tea is one
2: of my vices.
0: I appreciate that, Lynn, What are you drinking?
2: Uh, I am drinking. Um, I forgot. Uh, oh, I'm drinking white chocolate truffle robust tea you totally can't see but there's cream in there too um and i am pretending to drink uh honey flavored jack daniels
0: some of the best jack daniels i'm a big fan okay we are ready for rapid fire questions i say we as if i didn't ask you and i'm not going to so here we go um uh what is your favorite book of all time
2: Oh gosh, The Giver by Lois Lowry, who I also met in a restaurant. And while we were back to back, not conversing at all, we ordered the same thing.
0: Wow, that was
2: Kismet. Kismet. <laughs> I like it. Why do you like that book? I like that book because when the twists happen, they make the rest of the book make sense. You're not like, oh, that came out of nowhere. You're like, oh, I understand the book better because of that twist
0: very cool what is your least favorite book of all time
2: oh gosh um you know they fall out of my head i i don't have room in my brain for them there was one book uh actually i'll I'll, I'll give you this one um i don't remember what it was called but it was a, a romance between a captain of a ship the AI and his female passenger and I'm reading through it and it was so boring. I started skipping chapters and I didn't feel like I was missing anything. And so I skipped the second half of the book and I got to the ending and it had a stupid ending and I tossed the book onto the floor and I pointed at my husband and I said, I could do better than that. And that's how I started writing my first book.
0: I love that story. That's very inspiring. I still have that um, book. I could go in and
2: find out what it was, but I don't really feel like it.
0: Uh, We won't give it any promotion. (laughs) Um, Do do you finish stories? Like, will you read the book all the way regardless?
2: No. um, If I have a physical book, I will go and read like the last 20 pages if I'm invested enough in the plot to find out. But 90% of what I read these days is audiobooks. Um, I got really into audiobooks because I spent so much time doing things with my hands because I have young children. So I spent a lot of time driving and doing laundry and cooking and just running around after my destructive son going, "Ah, stop. Um, And I realized that I couldn't read as much if I had to use my hands to do it. And so I actually started with one of the old school Kindles doing the text to speech thing. And I was shocked at how quickly I got used to that. So I literally spent years listening to a robot voice, read me a story because that was the only way I was gonna get very much reading done. And I need to read like I eat several times a day. Mm. What was the question? <laughs> oh, but if it's an audiobook, it takes a while to like go to the end and then figure out where you are and to listen to the, and I just won't, I'll just return it to the library.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. um, I love audiobooks, but I, there are some we discussed on the previous podcast. And I'm like, oh, hard pass. I'm not listening to this person talk mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I have stopped I'm, feeling bad about DNFing.
0: Yes. Yes. I, You know what's interesting is I also noticed that when somebody, and I don't know if i would noticed this reading a book, but when somebody gets really whiny, I'm not a fan of whiny characters, Mm-hmm. And if somebody gets really whiny, I'm like, would I have noticed how whiny this person was if I wasn't listening to how whiny this person was?
2: Yeah. Cause you can change that tone of voice in your head.
0: Yeah. And, and you put it down sometimes. So you're not like, let me continuous. And then when they repeat the same things, I'm like, you were a whiny baby. I can't stand listening to you. Even if there's a fine voice.
2: line between ranting and whining. And if you're reading and you're feeling generous, you can just turn the dial up to rant and be like, they're just ranting. <laughs> but if an audiobook is doing that and they're whining, there's no escaping the fact that they're whining.
0: No, that's true. Jan, where true. are your questions? Why have you not exerted yourself? You've been very I, quiet.
2: I'm
1: waiting for a pause. Um, I want to know uh, when you do write, what's your routine?
2: Are you a morning person, evening person? Um, It depends on how old my children are. Uh, There was a point where I was contracted to write two books a year for about three years, and that was my busiest time. And my youngest child was in preschool. And so I had four hours a day that I could do writing uninterrupted, which is my preference. Um, Shocking, I know. And I learned how to essentially do writing concentrated. When I would sit down to write, when I would have preschool time, there would be no Twitter, no reading blogs, no checking email even. Um, I just had to sit down and write. And at the end of that time, I would start right then thinking about what I was gonna write the next day. So I would think all day about what I was gonna write the next day, and then I would write it. And that worked really well, even though it was quite intense. Now, my youngest is turning 11. My kids are at school all day. Um, And then my oldest, who homeschooled for high school, is now in college in Minneapolis. She's at art school. It's so cool. Um, But this is the first time in my life, starting in August, that I have the house to myself, for six hours a day, and I hardly know what to do with myself. Um, unfortunately, I do find myself out paddleboarding for several hours a lot of the days, and that eats up a lot of time. But it's important. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's it, it's interesting that during times when you think, "Oh my gosh, now I have all this time. Now it's time. I right? have the time," then you're like,
2: oh, "I wonder what's on Netflix." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you it doesn't help that I move somewhere with a beach. I want to be at the beach all the time. I live about a half a mile from the beach. I live in this cool like little town where you like have middle class families who live right by the beach. It's very exciting. Um, and so I'm at the beach all the time. So for
1: well, this is where I would normally ask like, do you when you write, can you have any distractions, music on tv in the background can you write in a public place
2: i don't like music I, i prefer not to have music and i think that's because i learned how to write on a schedule when i had little kids and so i needed to be able to hear if they were choking or something or screaming or getting into any kind of an emergency and so um uh i i wrote my first book and did all the edits for my first book and run up to publication when my husband was in law school and uh they call law school spouses law school widows because you just don't see your spouse very much. Um, and so I had to be able to keep one ear out for kids. Um, and while I was writing and I got very used to doing that. And because of that, I actually don't like to wear headphones and um, have music because I just got used to not. Um, and, but also that means that I, I do work just fine with distractions, it doesn't bother me at all. But TV is something that will yank my brain away. And so not TV, like I can't have that on in the background where I can understand what's being said. Like it can be on the background in the other room. My kids watch movies all the time while I was working, probably too many movies, but they all turned out fine. Um, <laughs> so I'm not like, I need my music. I've never been one to make playlists, etc. cetera even though I like music, it's just never been an integral part of my writing. Um, I think that I, my husband always says that once our kids are grown out of the house, he never expects to see me before about noon. And (laughs) it would not surprise me if I turned into one of those late night working authors, um, because I do just naturally gravitate towards staying up late and sleeping in. Um, But right now I do do most of my writing during the day but I also will go and sit on the couch in my daughter's ballet lessons and bring my laptop. Um, And when I was doing a lot of traveling, I found planes to be a surprisingly productive place to work.
0: Oh, wow. I keep wanting planes to be a productive place to work and I've done international travel and I'm like, I'm gonna bring my laptop, I'm gonna write. This goes back to my whole thing about having something that I could use a stylus that would huh. translate it. I would, I would be so productive all the time with that. that
2: would be. I tried <laughs> I, I've never that been one, me. I've never been one to like be excited about writing by hand. Um, actually, it's funny because I, um, I got a new computer right before I went to Italy for the Bologna book fair um, so that it would have a longer battery so that I could work on edits on the plane to and from and make my deadline when I got home. And um, uh, I, would, I wasn't quite as diligent on the way there, but on the way home, I did nine hours worth of edits. And that's the only reason that I, I made that deadline. And the, the, um, the, the flight attendants kept bringing me food and drinks. And I was like, yes, yes, work, 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 eat, 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 work, work, work. And it worked great. And I Took my battery down to where it just about died and I closed it and like 10 minutes later the pilot said we were gonna land and I was like I'm gonna make my deadline and I did that's very cool what about um I know uh, a ton of authors who cannot they're like planes are the worst place I feel like my seatmate is looking over my shoulder so like you're not alone a lot of authors are like I can't ride on a plane
0: you know I can sleep on a plane really really well doesn't matter what the plane is I can't I can sleep on a plane. I'm good with that. I also now audio books on a plane. I put mm-hmm. my ear, earbuds in. I'm golden on a plane. But yeah. like, no, I need to be productive. I need to know things that are not <laughs> happening for me ever. Um. Okay. What about your fans? Let's talk about the first time you got to meet a fan that walked up to you at a convention or something and was like, oh my God, your book changed my life.
2: Okay, so uh, the first thing that happened when Wings came out is that my publisher sent me on tour. And um, I don't know how they missed this, because they have a huge like questionnaire that you fill out of all the places you've lived and where you might have connections but they didn't realize that i was from arizona because i was living in utah at the time where my husband was going to law school um but like all of his family and a ton of my friends and half of my family at the time lived in arizona so my very first tour stop the day that the book came out was changing hands bookstore in um tempe arizona And I had like 80 people there. It was an excellent showing. I knew 90% of them. And a couple of people that, you know, wandered in and were like, there's a party we should go see. Um, And I was like, this is great. And the Changing Hands people were like, this is awesome. And I was like, I'm moving here in three weeks. And they were like, great. Um, And then I went to LA where I know two people or at the time I knew two people My husband's grandmother and uh, his great aunt who drove his grandmother to the the bookstore where I had a signing. There were six people at that signing. There was my grandmother, the great aunt, two girls, and the parents who had driven each of them. (laughs) I'm in the biggest city in the country. And six people came to see me. And it was really good for like deflating my ego because... Anytime, anytime a publisher like puts you out big, they they do the PR on you too. They're like, you're amazing, you're fabulous. This is gonna be great. And you're like, ooh, I must be amazing and fabulous. And you have to remind yourself, don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Um, so it was actually really good for me because I was like, oh yeah, that was because I knew everybody in, in Arizona. Okay. Um, and so I did not have, um, like a fan come up to me like that until my book had been out for several months and i had done a ton of this by that time you know i had the book deal the book had hit the list the the or i'm sorry i meant the movie deal um but i also had a lot of humbling moments i went on a group tour and i went with uh kelly armstrong and kim harrison who i had never heard of because I didn't read their genre and they are both very big adult authors who both happened to have a YA out that year. So they were on the YA book tour, but of course what they're really known for is their adult series is and Kelly Armstrong, who is a great organizer, um, goes to the, we're at our first stop and she goes to the people that are in the bookstore and she goes, you need to have me on one side, and, Kel- and Kim on the other and put April Lynn and Claudia in the middle. And she's like, okay. And like the next person who comes up, she's like, you need to make sure you have me on one side or on one end and Kim on the other and Claudia and April in on the middle. And I'm like, I think they get it. And then we go out and uh, a new person comes up is like, all right, and Ke- Kim go- or Kelly goes, we need to have me on this. side. And I'm like, dude, what is your issue? And then the signing started. And they had this huge line on each side. And occasionally somebody would wander in to the middle with a book for me or Claudia. But Kim and Kelly had been to these signings with a different group the week before. And if there was them and then a smaller author and then a bigger author and a smaller, everything got messed up and nobody could find the little authors. Um, Oh, and so they missed out. And because they were just hidden, that person in the middle was just hidden by the lines. And they had found that the smaller authors got the best traffic if they were in the middle of the two best big lines. But it also really puts you in your place. You're like, you're like, I'm a number one New York Times bestselling author. I just had my movie deal announced. I have three people in my signing line and she's got 60, you know? Um, So it was later that summer when people started being like, oh, you're the Wings author. I read your book, you know? Um, And that was, it was cool, but it's also kind of weirdly embarrassing. Like, I'm so glad. And now you're gonna ask me all these questions and you're a little intimidating. Um, And so it was actually something that I had to get used to and you can only sit there and be gushed over for so long before you're like, this is awkward, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's weird. Um, and it's, I mean, it's the tiniest slice of what like movie stars get, but like you get it when they throw a jacket over their head and run for their car. They're just like, please not anymore today. Um, and obviously like, I never got mopped like that but there are moments when you understand that, um, especially with teenage girls who sometimes will just want to go on and on and on in the way that we all loved things when we were teens. And there's like, you know, 15 people behind her and she's like, and then on page four, when this and this happens and you're like, honey, we cannot go through this whole book. There are people waiting. Um, So it's it's interesting um, to have fans. It's a weird thing. Uh, especially because I feel like I kind of, s- I stumbled upon something special with Wings. I mean, it's just, that's what it was. It continues to be something that sparks for people even now, 12 years later. It's the series that people are most drawn to. I don't know what it is. It's the je ne sais quoi, you know, but I stumbled on something with Wings that that really draws people. Um, and they, they want to let you know. Um, and it's, it's special in a way to them that one inter- individual person will never be special to you as an author. Um, and I think that that imbalance can be weird even though it's really cool to have somebody love what you made.
0: Okay, well, what about, let's balance it out here. What is your weirdest fan experience?
2: Ah, okay. So I had a guy who seemed to know a lot about me at an Idaho Falls signing. I also happened to be there with a friend of mine who had a very handsome, very tall, very broad husband. And I'm allowed to tell her her husband is hot because she takes that as a compliment. Hot. Okay, so a hot cowboy husband. They're gonna come back to the story later. Um, And it was, this was in Idaho Falls where my parents live, um, live, lived, And I, right from the very first book, I came in, I did 13 school presentations. I had a signing that night. They advertised the heck out of it. They were, the the guy who managed the Barnes and Noble there ran it like it was an independent bookstore. Um, He was amazing. He got the word out. It was the biggest signing I'd ever had. And so every year I made sure, even if it was on my own dime to get up to the Idaho Falls store I always have a good audience. So it's not unusual for me to have a bunch of people there, including people my parents know in their community, et cetera, people who I've known from high school, um, because I went to high school about an hour from there. Um, So not unusual for there to be a big crowd and for people to kind of know who I am. And so I went this day and there's this guy, he comes up and talks to me. He's a big fan of the story, which is a little unusual for a 30 something year old man. It happens. There doesn't have to be anything creepy about it, but it's not my normal demographic. And I signed his book, we chat for a minute and we keep going and I've got, you know, the next book coming in, sign, talk, chat. Um, By this point, I think I was on book four. So I had, you know, piles of books to sign. I wasn't paying attention to much. You kind of tunnel vision at that point and we get to the end of the line of course my friend is waited to the end of the line we're going out to dinner afterwards there's no reason for her to like be first in line um and she gets there and she goes okay he left and I said who and she goes I, I kept moving to the back of the line so that when I got here I could tell you about the guy standing behind you so this guy had then gone and stood behind me, about three feet behind me like this, like he was my bodyguard. And he stood there for 45 minutes while I signed other people's books. And I had no idea he was there. I mean, I was getting up and doing pictures and stuff and he was just standing far enough back and directly behind me that I never knew he was there. Um, And I signed till the store closed and the manager was like, I don't think that I should let you walk out to the car on your own. And my friend was like, he was in the while he was waiting in line, he was telling the people in front of and behind you things about you, like your life story. And she told me the things that he had said. And it was all things you could get off of my Wikipedia page. So it wasn't like seriously weird, like he'd gone to my mother or something. It was public knowledge, but you had to look for it. Um, And so, you know, her husband walks me to my car and waits until my car is moving before they walk to their truck so we could go and and meet for dinner and stuff. Um, And then he just made sure I got back to my car after the restaurant, just in case. But I have no idea what that guy thought he was doing. I have no idea who he was. Um, I have no idea why he felt so proprietary over me, but it was creepy.
0: That is very, very creepy. Did you ever see or hear from
2: him again, or was it just that one time? It was that one time, and I have no idea what he thought he was doing. And maybe he was just super weird and awkward, and he wanted to be in every picture. I don't know. I don't know. It could have been just completely innocent and super weird, or it could have been something else. I don't know.
0: Does your husband often go with you to signings or no? He's a lawyer. Almost never.
2: He's been to maybe two of my signings. Um, Again, I just, I was such a young mother when I started being an author and I have, I have four kids that are only eight years apart. And so I always needed someone to be watching the kids, and my husband, of course, is, is always wonderful about that. He took two years off after law school and was a stay-at-home dad, and when we had a really high-maintenance child between about the years of one and three, we needed two of us, um, and so that timing worked out really well, um, and then in between all of that, he did a lot of schooling because uh, he has every degree in the world. Um, oh, wow just about. Well, he's he's got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a law degree and a PhD and he teaches philosophy and law at Florida Tech. Um, but he has a lot of degrees. <laughs> wow. Well done. Yeah, no. Cool. He's a great he's a great student and teacher. Um, um and he spent a lot of years being the the child raiser.
0: Very cool.
1: Do you think that you have like philosophical issues in your books more so because you're married to him? Like, no. Philosophy
2: no. <laughs>
1: no. He doesn't
2: bleed over. Well, it's funny because most people who think of themselves as armchair philosophers, uh, it's because they took one class in undergraduate. Um, when I listen to my husband read his papers aloud to me, because for the same reason, when you read your books aloud, you catch more typos. And when he reads his papers aloud to me, not only does he catch typos, but he catches where his argument is is, is not doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, So I will sit there and listen to him read anywhere between a 15 and 30 page paper. And at the end, sometimes I can tell you what it's about. (laughs) It is just so dense and it has its own language. And you see people that are like, yes, I read some Nietzsche myself. And I'm like, oh, aren't you cute? Um, Because and he doesn't, even, he doesn't even do epistemology which is, or, or metaphysics, which gets into um, like the completely, you have an entire vocabulary for that. That's a vocabulary on how to explain vocabulary. Um, you know, my husband, one of his specialties is sufficientarianism. I mean, do you have any idea what that is?
0: No. I barely no. do. Um,
2: contractualism. He talks about things like mechanical jurisprudence. Oh God. I know I've what edited, that I've, one is. That I know what that is. Mm-hmm. That I've edited I
1: these papers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. I, I mean, it just is. It, it gets so deep into the weeds. So I don't, I, I actually feel like I know a lot more, more about law from him because I used to help him study for his exams. Flashcards, you'd have, you know, the, the whatever he needed to remember on the front and the answer on the back. And then not only would I go through it with him, then I would make him explain it to me because you know if you really understand a concept, if you can explain it to someone else. And so I learned so much, particularly about uh, a limited liability um, for public personas, which is interesting because that's a lot of what gets debated now as to how much privacy public figures have. And I'm like, my husband wrote both sides of the memo on that debate. Debate: <laughs> Are That's you a limited cool. liability public figure or did you put yourself into the spotlight? You know, that sort of thing. Um, so I feel like I actually can follow more law arguments than philosophy arguments. Awesome. So interesting. I just
0: want to point out the two people that are not drinking on this podcast, just, <laughs> just right left, right, right that way. It went... Okay, final question. Now. Do you have an actual good final question there, Jen? It doesn't take us left, do you think? I'm, I'm going to end up going philosophy if I. I'm not letting you talk anymore then. Okay. So <laughs> then, did you
1: have a non-philosophy question? Do you consider listening to an audiobook reading?
2: Yes. Um, Thank you. There was this thing <laughs> going around for a while called 75 hard. And I saw someone who did it. And it, it's like this super intense diet and exercise program, but part of it is that you have to read 10 pages of a book every day. And there was a parenthetical note that said, audiobooks don't count. And I was like, I don't like your program now. I wasn't going to do it anyway, but now I'm really not going to do it. Um, because I'm like, audiobooks don't count. You can say it has to be nonfiction if you want it to be like, we're improving our minds or whatever, but audiobooks don't count. I hope nobody who's blind does your program, hate- <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is not the reason why I read audiobooks. But I was like,
0: I'm a fan. <laughs> that escalated very quickly. Like that, got, that got very out of hand.
2: Yeah. So yes, I absolutely count audiobooks as books. Yay! Okay. I have so many
1: students who come and they're like, "Oh, I've been told that I listen to audiobooks and those don't count." It's like, yeah, they
2: do. No, they do. You're still processing you words. To the audiobook
0: what? Versus plagiarizing something because you didn't well, want to read
2: it. Mm-hmm. It's a different <laughs> issue.
1: If you're gonna copy from Google, remove the hyperlinks before you turn it in.
2: <laughs> yes. Good. Good life advice. Right. Yes,
0: it's <laughs> good life advice. Okay. On that note, so your your newest book out is Heat. Mm-hmm. you want to hold it up again for the I do out
2: there. Okay. Dragons this, in Montana with a super kick-ass heroine. Just saying. That sounds amazing. She does some of that actually. There are injuries that she makes happen very cool and the
0: follow-up to that book is smoke and you're smoke. working on it and i'm working when is on that
2: it that uh it was supposed to be out this fall it's probably going to be a little more like winter
0: okay well, just when
2: things are, are getting cold and you need some heat in your life anyway
0: oh there you go like I mean, things are getting hold again probably not the same theme that people would think if you said it like that
2: like- no in fact i had to redo my my uh book description because it sounded steamy but actually it's a clean teen read it's, it's a lot it has that same feel as wings except that what i do with wings and plants i do with fire and dragons
0: very very cool you
2: have been amazing
0: to have on this podcast thank
2: you for thank being you. here
0: with us this has been awesome okay so I have this has been drink. oh my goodness I'm fine that's fine I'll drive 10 hours and then drink that sounds like a great plan okay this has been drinking with authors literary briefs edition I've been your host Erica Lance my co-host has been J.M. Piquet. and our guest has been Aprilin. Oh, oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the driving the drinking is fine it's the driving before before you started drinking yes. <laughs> that order I'm gonna, is important there too. you know what
0: I'm going to even take you guys on the journey that just went in my head so I was like you and then I was like dragons literally this is where I went dragons and then I went somehow to Jody Lynn 9 like that's where I literally <laughs> there were some stops along the way but I was like where am I, I even at anymore I'm oh fine. man okay. you've been phenomenal thank you for being on this thank very... you